one that you, by the by, have supported by taking this volume in your hands. That is, you have agreed to be transported to my childhood, where it will be proven, or if not proven, then strongly suggested, that the very shape of my head, my particular phrenology, the volume of my lungs, was determined by unknown pressures brought to bear in the years before my birth. So let us believe that a grotesque and antique bicycle has been made available to us, its wooden frame in the form of a horse, and of course, if we are to approach my home this way, we must be prepared to push my uncle's hobby across fallen branches through the spinneys. It is almost useless in the rough ground of the woods, where I and the Abbé de la Lande, my beloved baby, shot so many hundreds of larks and sparrows that I bruised my little shoulder blue. Careful, Olivier dear. Do be careful. We can ignore nose bleeding for the time being, although to be realistic, the blood can be anticipated soon enough. Spectacular spurts, splendid gushes, my body being always too thin-walled a container for the passions coursing through its veins. But as we are making up our adventure, let us assume there is no blood, no compresses, no leeches, no wild gallops to drag the doctor from his breakfast. And so we readers can leave this silky, treacherous sen and cross the rough woodlands and enter the path between the linden trees. And I, Olivier Jean-Baptiste de Clarel de Barfleur de Garmont, a noble of myopia, am free to speed like mercury while pointing out the blurry vegetable garden on the left, the smudgy watercolour of orchard on the right. Here is the ordure of the village road across which I can go sailing, skidding, blind as a bet, through the open gates of the Chateau de Barfleur. Hello, Jacques. Hello, Gustave. Odile. I am home. On the right, just inside, is Papa's courthouse, where he conducts the marriages of young peasants, thus saving them military service and early death in Napoleon's army. It does not need to be said that we are not for Bonaparte, and my papa leaves the intrigues for others. We live a quiet life, he says. In Normandy, in exile, he also says. My mother says the same thing, but more bitterly. Only in our architecture might you glimpse signs of the powerful familial trauma. We live a quiet life, but our courtyard resembles a battlefield, its ancient austerity insulted by a sea of trenches, fortifications, red mud, white sand, grey flagstones, and fifty-four forsythias, with their roots bound up in balls of hessian. In order that the courtyard should reach its proper glory, the Austrian architect has been installed in the blue room, with his drawing boards and pencils. You may glimpse this uppity creature as we pass. I have omitted mention of the most serious defect of my uncle's vehicle, the lack of steering. There are more faults besides, 
but who could really care? The two-wheeled Celerifère was one of those dazzling machines that are initially mocked for their impracticality until, all in a great rush, like an Italian footman falling down a staircase, they arrive in front of us, unavoidably real and extraordinarily useful. The years before 1805, when I was first delivered to my mother's breast, constituted an age of inventions of great beauty and great terror. And I was very soon aware of all of this, without knowing exactly what the beauty or the terror were. What I understood was drawn solely from what we call the symbolic aggregate, that is, the confluence of the secrets, the disturbing flavor of my mother's milk, my own breathing, the truly horrible and unrelenting lowing of the condemned...